John. John Morgan's the man. Tonight, we have our extra special, wonderful guest, our very first guest, Mr. John Morgan. Yes! Yes! Let's get to know our guest. So, John, what is your favorite horror movie? That would be Scream. What, you said you were 15 in 96? All I could think of was Ving Rhames and Pulp Fiction. Marcellus Wallace's cousin. <laughs> I kept look, waiting for him to, to look at him and says, You hear that voice in your head? That's quiet fucking movie. Like I've said before, 84 is the best year in horror. I'm calling bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I have to bring up the boobies. She pulled a Tory. They're teenagers. They think their parents aren't home. Then she has to whip out the boobs. Well, that was the whole point. I agree. The collector was the Terminator and the collection was T2. That's right, folks. The Dolls of Horror finally has their first guest. So without further ado, here's your Dolls of Horror, Summer and Tori, with special guest, John Morgan. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Dolls of Horror podcast. My name is Summer. And I'm Tori. And tonight we have our extra special wonderful guest our very first guest at the time of recording mr john morgan say hello john hello john (laughs) john is somebody who is very special to us because he is one of our biggest supporters Mm -hmm. since day one since day one he is excited from wes and kevin who taught us how to do this he is he's the guy he is Mm -hmm. been our biggest cheerleader. So I thought that it'd be most fitting that he gets to be our very first guest. And tonight we will be discussing 2000's The Collector and 2012's The Collection, its sequel. Yes, which I love. I love these movies. (laughs) Yes, me too. Yeah, these movies are a lot of fun. They're so fun and um, intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get started, um, let's get to know our guest a little bit. So, John, what is your favorite horror movie? Uh, I know uh, it's uh, so hard. Okay. The, the movie that I have have chosen is probably because it's what it's the movie that got me probably back into horror mm-hmm. from when I was a kid uh, seeing some stuff but this was the first movie that I saw that really sort of ignited my my passion for it and got me interested in um, checking out a lot of older movies and that would be Scream awesome um, oh. I, I didn't see Scream when it came out in the theater um uh, I believe it came out in 96 because I was yes. like 15 years old. Oh, God, that was a long time, uh, was a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> but sure but um, I, I had not even heard of that movie until it came out on VHS, another this old funky thing that they used to have. You know, <laughs> cassette tape. Hey, man, <laughs> I always know. say I'm Betamax old, so don't worry about that. Oh, God. <laughs> now, now you really are going old school. Um <laughs> But um, I um, 
me and a friend of mine saw that on VHS, and it just it kind of blew my mind. It was because I'd always sort of I'd seen some of the Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street and a couple, but I was not really like into big, big into horror. And this was something that actually kind of makes you think a little bit. It was a little smarter. Mm -hmm. It didn't treat the audience like it was stupid. Definitely. <laughs> and um, yeah. it got me it got me interested in horror. And um, I went back and watched a lot of old movies and found out that some of the old stuff like from the 70s and even further back is uh, really good stuff. So I, oh, I, found, yeah. I found out that you know, the first time that I watched Halloween, I found out that, you know, that was by John Carpenter. And he was the same one that had done Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. And Starman, you know, some other movies that I had seen as a kid that I really enjoyed. And I had no idea. It opened up a whole mm -hmm. new kind of world for me. Um, mm -hmm. So that's probably why I would pick it as as my favorite because if i had not seen scream if scream had never happened i probably wouldn't have gotten as into horror as much yeah that's a really good one um i know that's wes is one of wes's favorites yeah it is yeah and I've, I've been listening to their show and i've i've heard uh i've heard them talk about uh scream a lot so and, yeah I think me and Wes are kind of in the same general age bracket. <laughs> me uh, and so. you are are pretty close. Um, what you said you were fifteen in ninety six. Yeah, I was. Um, I was born in eighty one. I was born in eighty two. Okay. So, um, Tori's just a wee bit. Tori's the baby. Yes. Yeah, Tori's just I was a, wee, a wee bit. Which is... Yeah, she's just a little bit younger than us, but she's not too young. But, like I've said before, 84 is the best year in horror, in my opinion. <laughs> it was best a very year, good so. year. So good. It was for horror. Yes, it was. Yes. <clears throat> okay. And, um, on. So that's how you got reinterested in horror. What was your initial introduction to horror? Tell us your horror journey, if you could. The first horror film that I ever, and I call it horror film. Mm -hmm. What happened was, is I was about seven or eight years old, and um, I was staying at my my grandfather's house, and it had to have been sometime around. Halloween around in October and uh, this was back when uh, AMC actually showed class classic films with no commercials mm -hmm. <laughs> it was before Walking Dead and all that this was back when AMC actually played classic movies yeah and um, yeah I remember that with no with no commercials it was, it was wild mm -hmm. um, and they had like a horror marathon that was on that night it was the first time I had seen uh, Dracula with uh, Bela Lugosi. Oh, and um, yes, I saw one of the Mummy movies, not the one with Boris Karloff, but uh, one of the ones with uh, Lon Chaney Jr. I can't remember which one. But what really 
got me interested not only just in horror but i think in cinema because i'm i'm kind of big into a lot of black and white movies was i saw creature from the black lagoon and after that i saw george abramero's night of the living dead yeah and i was about seven years old and i remember that I I have not been the same. <laughs> In fact, I, I, I saw George um, just before he passed the last time he came to uh, Texas Frightmare. And I didn't get to talk to him for very long because he had a huge line. Mm-hmm. It took a while to get through. But I got to talk to him just a little bit. And I told him, I said, I've been a big fan since I was like seven years old. He said, I, I saw Night of the Living Dead at seven. He says, Oh my God, seven years old. He's, I hope I didn't fuck you up. <laughs> well, I, I guess I guess you kind of did, George. But um, yeah, that's probably what started me on my my journey. I like I said, I'd seen some of the. I think I'd seen Dream Warriors and one or two of the. Friday the 13th, but I was, until I was, I saw Scream, I was kind of into a, um, a martial arts kind of thing. I was watching a lot of uh, martial arts kind of movies, Bruce Lee stuff, so, but yeah, Scream is what really started me uh into horror and after that i i went back and saw you know halloween i went i saw all of the the stuff from the 80s and then Mm -hmm. some of my favorite stuff is like uh the hammer studio films Mm -hmm. yeah yeah from the the, uh 60s on through the 70s and yeah the the amicus um what do you call them um not chronological what the hell is it um where they have a bunch of different stories together. Anthology. Anthology. Not, not chronology. Anthology. <laughs> but I, I I dig a lot of that old school stuff anyway. It's, mm-hmm. A lot I of think, it is just more fun to me. Yeah, I think a lot of horror fans actually really enjoy the older stuff. Well, so you're not alone on that. It's A lot of it is... is it's more real because it's mm-hmm. it's not all computer mm-hmm. BS. I mean, even though some yeah. of it, yeah, it's kind of cheesy that some of the blood looks crazy. Yeah, I can tell that is a paper mache head, but it's there's it's a, still so good. Yeah, there's a there's a magical quality to it that yes, a lot of exactly. movies now don't have anymore. It's true. Exactly. It is exactly. true. All right, let's start on our movies. Um, so first we're going to start with the first one, The Collector, 2009. And um, the synopsis of this one is an ex-con plots a heist at his new employer's country home, unaware that a second criminal has targeted the property and rigged it with dead. It stars Josh Stewart, Michael Riley Burke, Andrea Roth, um, and Madeline Zima. And Juan Fernandez is the collector, our killer of the movie. Okay. Um, I have a little story about this. Okay. Um, 
I did not see this movie when it came out. I don't remember exactly what year it was when I did see it. But a friend of mine, I was bored. I was looking for movies to watch. And a friend of mine was like, have you seen The Collector? And I was like, never. I was like, no, I've never even heard of it. And they told me, okay, basically this guy breaks into this house to rob it. But somebody else has already broken in. And they have it set up with booby traps. And I was, I, was like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, instantly, I just loved the story. I was like, oh, my gosh, that sounds so good. And so it instantly caught my attention. And so I was like, okay, I'll go watch it. And I watched it. And I was like, that's brilliant. Like, I just love it. <laughs> I mean, I just did. I mean, that's just, I mean, it could just be me. But that's my story behind it. And I just loved it from the moment I heard what it was about. I saw it first. Um, Henry actually actually brought it home and he borrowed it from one of his friends on like a bootleg copy. Ooh, way to go, Henry. Right. And so it wasn't even out on DVD yet. He just yeah. he just borrowed it from somebody and he didn't even know what it was. He just put it in and I was like, wow, this is really gruesome. Mm-hmm. And I didn't watch it again until a couple years ago. And this, so I saw it when it first came out and then a couple years ago and I liked it much better the second time around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what's our, uh, what's our favorite kill on this guys? Fatality. Um, I can start off with mine is Jill getting pulled into the projector screen with the nails behind Me it. Me too. <laughs> A good impalement. I always enjoy. That was my favorite too. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John, I love a good impalement. <laughs> do you like a good impalement, John? I do. It 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 kind of made me cry a little bit because aside <laughs> Ark and Jill was my favorite character. Uh, for, yeah. I don't know. Maybe some obvious reasons, but yeah, it, that that's a that was a good a good moment. It, I was sad to see her go. Yes. Well, what's your favorite kill? Is that your favorite kill? My favorite kill is actually when um, the the cop shows up toward near the end, and mm-hmm. uh, the collector's out there, and the guy's like, "Drop the knife! Put your hands up!" There. And um, the dog comes and <laughs> kills the cop, which I was yes not quite expecting because mm-hmm. um, at the beginning you kind of get you. You know, you find out that the dog is there, but you you don't really know until that moment that it's the collector's dog. Right. Yes. Right. And the interesting thing about that is, is that when you watch the movie a second time, when you watch Arkin's reaction when he gets there, it it kind of gives it you a little bit of a tease that things are off, that things are not right, because when you mm-hmm. watch it the second time, Arkin looks a little bit confused. You don't mm-hmm. necessarily catch it the first time. But it's kind of a little hint that things are kind of not right. And another thing that I like about that kill is I don't know if it was on purpose or an homage or maybe sort of unconscious, but whenever the dog is tearing the neck of the cop out, the collector kind of sort of tilts his head and looks at him to the side. And when he did it the first time I saw it, I thought of Michael Myers. Yeah. The first Halloween Mm -hmm. when he... Mm -hmm stabs the dude against the wall so i don't know yeah. if that was on purpose or not but it, it made me think of that so that's okay. that's why i like that kill yeah um do you maybe guys... like a little homage to yeah. michael myers yeah do you guys have a favorite booby trap um 
I didn't write down a favorite booby trap. I didn't know we were supposed to. <laughs> it's just a thought. I really uh, love. Uh, I loved I, the I, glue uh, on the floor. That was that was a good one for me. I was about to say that the glue slash acid on the yeah. floor. Oh my! And it always gets me the cats. I'm like, oh my god, I can't. I know. And it's making. I was like, it's making all those noises, and I'm just like, oh, I can't do it. I can't. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good one. My my. I guess my favorite one would be when. Harkin gets the cat out of the glue and then yeah. the cat goes to jump out the window and oh doesn't make it. Yes. <laughs> right. Yep. 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 That's um, a good one. How about fashion? Fashion. Oh well obviously my I mean I think my fashion choice is pretty obvious. Well I um, I picked the mask and I'm wondering if you did too. Okay. I didn't pick the mask. Okay. My mind was in a whole other place. Um, <laughs> that I think it, I, cause I think, I think at one point in time, they actually zoom in on it. I think to, to show, to, to set the tone of how rich this family is, they zoom in on the wife's diamond engagement ring. Oh yeah. And I was like, Ooh, that's my fashion pick. I love that. <laughs> so that was my fashion pick. What was yours, John? Uh, well, I, I guess it'd be. Um, I don't want to sound like the. It's okay the to typical, say movies. Typical guy, but actually, <laughs> um, my 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 fashion pick would be um, Jill's skirt. Um, okay. And I'm gonna I'm gonna and I have a reason for this. Um, I went to a. Um, it was not Catholic school, but I did go to a a private school, and we had to wear. Uh, uniforms and um, for some reason I always love those those little those little skirts I don't I don't know why I don't know what it is I think you were talking about on one of your episodes we were talking about a classic look for the guy is the um, the tight white shirt so his muscles will bulge and the yeah. tight pants mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. other things will bulge. Well, I think that the classic look for a girl for me is that that kind of plaid skirt and mm-hmm. white blouse. And Well, and you're not alone. I'm sure yeah. every guy will agree with you. Uh, yes. That they love that look. And it's a very Japanese thing too. Like all the all the young ladies wear them, and that's in like in the gentlemen's clubs and stuff. I, I I did tell you that that I used to watch a lot of Asian kung fu stuff. So yeah, yeah. that 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 may have a little something to do with it. As well. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <clears throat> so guys, I I really really love the acting and the actors in this movie. Yes. Are you guys familiar with any of these people? Because I am. I'm not too familiar with any of them, I don't think. John? Uh, I'm familiar with one of them. And, it, and when, I, when I realized what it was, then I felt like a dirty old man. I know, right? Uh, um, oh, God. What am I getting into? I, well, the, Jill was a child star. Okay. Yes. And I, I believe that she was one of the daughters on The Nanny, right? Yes, she was the youngest one. Oh, okay. God. Yes. She- she was also um, in. She was also the little girl in the hand that rocks the cradle. Oh, was she? Yes. 
I that that was movie. her. Hey, write yes. that down. Yep. We we gotta cover that. Write that down. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Um, I am getting old. <laughs> so that was her. Um, I also seen her in many other things, including episodes of Touched by an Angel, Jag, Law and Order. Um, uh, okay, Tori. Tori will appreciate this because mm-hmm. when 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 you first uh, talked to me about coming on the, the show and talking about uh, the collector and the collection, mm-hmm. I was rewatching it and there was this other show that tori had um was always talking about that i checked out called you mm-hmm. oh yes in, se- <laughs> in season two of you when joe goes breaking into what he thinks is candace's house mm-hmm. there is another girl that is in there that kicks his butt <laughs> mm-hmm. and finds mm-hmm. his little bag of uh ropes and accoutrement duct tape and and mm-hmm. that is Jill, Madeline Zima. Yep. Is girl. it? Yes. Go back and rewatch it. I did not catch it. that. Go I will have to. Go back and rewatch it. That is her. Because, and I probably would not have no- realized that or noticed it if I wasn't watching the two of them kind of at the same time. And I was like, holy cow, there's Jill. Yeah. Okay. Um, awesome. Yeah. Like I said, I've I've been uh, watching her since I was a little kid. Um, somebody else, a couple of other people. Um, the man who played the, um, the father being held hostage, Michael Riley Burke, I seen him on Beverly Hills 90210. He was in that. Of course, you know me, I'm a big 90210 fan. Yes. And he was also on a show that I really enjoy called Promised Land, which was a spinoff of Touched by an Angel. Okay. And Party of Five and... Providence and he did he did a bunch of a bunch of TV shows in the 90s and the African-American gentleman who played the sheriff Gregory Allen Williams he was a semi-regular also playing a cop in Baywatch okay so he was the token cop in Baywatch and that character's name was Garner Ellerby and so the second I saw him, he was only in this movie for a second. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so I love these actors. I've, I've grown up watching them. I've been mm-hmm. watching them for 20 plus years. So it was very, very exciting to see a few of these people. Oh, for sure. Um, for sure. So, and you guys enjoyed the acting quality. Everything was great for you or not so very much? Very much. Yeah, very much. I liked it. John. Yes. I, I did enjoy it. Um, the acting didn't sometimes in, when you see a movie if the acting is kind of weird or whatever it'll take you out a little bit but this this movie was was spot on um i really like the character of arkin i mm-hmm. i i feel this dude's pain <laughs> this is a guy that is trying really hard and keeps fucking shit up and uh, <laughs> yeah I, I feel this dude's pain um Probably one of my favorite characters in this movie is the the uh, the guy that is the um, kind of the fenster, the boss that he goes to, that he talks to. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the first time that I watched this, I nearly fell out of my chair laughing because I, <laughs> all I could think of was Ving Rhames yeah. and Pulp Fiction. I'm like, that's Marcellus Wallace's cousin. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, just, it just cracked me up. 
<laughs> I kept look, waiting for him to, to look at him and says, you hear that voice in your head? That's, that's pride fucking with you. <laughs> and just... But I, yeah. I, I, I do think the acting in this, this movie was, was really good. And, um, yeah, I think the, it's, it's weird for a horror movie to have your, your lead character sort of be the dude instead of, instead of a girl, which I thought was interesting because mm-hmm. most of the time, um, it's the, the final girl and not mm-hmm. the final guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's a good it thing. Is. Which, as, far, which... as far as the victim, yeah, as far as the victim goes, um, yeah, it is rare to have a girl or a male victim being a survivor as opposed to a female lead character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like what John said about um, the character, and I like Arkin's character development, because Arkin begins the movie as a villain. He's going in, he's the bad guy, he's mm-hmm. going in to rob this yes. house, right? And then he he turns into a hero. Mm-hmm. And, and under the pressure, he becomes cool and collected. Mm-hmm. He doesn't freak That's out. Where- Mm-hmm. That's where my epic line comes in. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Where he tries to be the hero. Mm-hmm. And I also love that they made the audience feel sympathy for Arkin because of his mm-hmm. daughter. Yes. Whereas if he was just a ruthless villain, you really don't normally. Right. Well, that, that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I, I was listening to um, the commentary for the movie. And that's one of the things that the, the director and the writer were talking about is they were trying to sort of play with that idea of someone who is uh is doing bad things but is maybe doing it for for good reasons or right reasons mm-hmm. that, you know you can you can sort of question whether or not he's maybe correct doing what he's doing maybe not maybe right can understand it kind of a, a little bit of a gray area um and the the actor who played Arkin, what's his name again? It's um, Josh Stewart. He described the movie. This is his quote: "It's about a bad guy trapped in a house with a worse guy." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that was a good description. <laughs> and so that's his description of this movie, and it's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, the effects. Oh, the effects are fantastic. They really are. They're cringe- yeah, they're cringeworthy. They're so good. They just they look mm-hmm. so real. Yes. Yes. This this movie came out uh, around the time when everybody was all about the the torture porn, which mm-hmm. I hate that I hate that term by the way. Um, that kind of movie where it's it's a little torturous. The violence is 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 big and broad and bombastic and I thought that this movie was was much more balanced than that. It wasn't too over the top. I mean it had some some good gore moments and it had some moments that was like Ugh. but it was I didn't feel that it was like too much because there's some movies that it's just like way over the top and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which depending on the movie like if you're watching like Hatchet over the top is like really fun. Yeah, but but if it's something that's a little bit more realistic, sometimes I think that over the top kind of takes away from it 
just a little bit. And I thought yeah. this movie kind of balanced that really well. And there is some CGI in this, but a lot of this is practical, real stuff. Which yeah, the, CG- the CGI is what it enhances the practical, and that's how I think CGI should be used. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. as a replacement, but just to help a little bit. Yeah. The music. Who who likes music? <laughs> I thought the music was was okay. Um, one there's there's a few moments in the movie where I think that they use the music really brilliantly. And one moment in particular is at the end when Arkin drops the chandelier with the knives onto the collector. And whenever the knives hit him, he's on the ground, and they play that song with the vocalist for the song, just kind of screaming these, yeah. these lyrics. Rah! Um, yeah. That that was when you can take like a song, a music, not like score, but music from a song, song, mm-hmm. and use it in a movie and do it well. And it it just it gave me it gives me chills when I that's one of those moments that kind of give me chills. Just, that's yes. really effective. And whenever Arkin is moving through the house the uh, from the collector and a lot of the different scenes, the music is, is more rhythmic and drum-oriented, yeah. which I think... Like a heartbeat. It, much more like a heartbeat, yes. It's it's that, that kind of crazy rhythm. It, it, it helps get you kind of off off center a little bit. It helps It helps with it. So I thought the music in the movie was pretty good actually yes absolutely um the composer who did the orchestration was jerome Dillon, and the song i believe you're talking about because they've played it a few times throughout the movie is called awake to you and it's performed by a group called patient 113 okay Okay. And so that is the main song played throughout the movie. It's really the only thing I could find credited except for the cinematographer. And I and it was played a few times throughout the the movie and I thought that it worked really well. Yeah. So, story rating and scary rating. Um, I'll give the story a 10. Yeah. And the and the scary rating, I don't think it's scary. Um, obviously, somebody can break into your house. But usually, it will be the way the main character does, not the way the other guy does. Right. <laughs> they don't really want to stick around a whole lot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it wasn't scary. It was very, very, very interesting and kept my attention, and I love it. But it didn't scare me. Um, I thought that the story was 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 pretty good. Um, I'm kind of like Tori. Uh, I think that the idea is much more terrifying than the movie. I think the movie is is tense and dramatic and uh, suspenseful, but I, I wouldn't necessarily call it scary. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm a little more twisted and jaded than most people, so. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I, I, it, it's like a discussion that I had with um, some friends about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy Krueger and different things. So Freddy Krueger is a much more terrifying idea than I think 
any of the, the movies really were, even though I enjoy those movies and I enjoy those characters, the idea of something that comes in your dreams after mm-hmm. you and you can't get away from it and you're eventually going to have to go to sleep is a terrifying idea. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea that some whacked out crazy nut is going to break into my home and set up a bunch of weird shit and <laughs> <laughs> collect me or you know, a member of my family, you know, that's, that's a pretty terrifying idea. Yes, but a little far-fetched. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a little far-fetched, but it's it was it was entertaining. It was very well done. Mm-hmm. I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with everything you guys said, and I really don't have anything to add because you guys said it perfectly. Okay, awesome. So, um, epic line time, guys. My favorite part. <laughs> okay, do you want to start? Um, yes. Now that there weren't a lot of lines for me in this one, just because there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue. It was a lot of creeping around. (laughs) Yeah. But having been a teenage girl once, my epic line is, um, Jill in the beginning when she's flirting with Arkin, right? Mm -hmm. And she's like, you're about to hear a fight, but don't freak. It's only a show. (laughs) You're about to hear a fight. Is that so? Yeah. But don't freak. It's just a show. (laughs) My runner-up, though, is something that I think is a theme in most horror movies, What, even though it's not necessarily said. Arkin said it perfectly when he said, Shut the fuck up. I'm trying to fucking help you. Shut the fuck up. I'm trying to fucking help you. Yes, see, my line goes hand in hand with that. My line goes hand in hand with that. What's yours? My epic line is where he's kind of whispering but yelling at the. We've all whisper yells, yes. okay? Yes. Thing. And he's like, "I told you to stay with me. Why wouldn't you listen?" Because because he tries to help her and then he has to flee in order to protect himself, but he hears her yelling, and so yes. he's trying. I think he's trying to unboard a window. But he's looking back in her direction. I told you to stay with me. Why wouldn't you listen? <laughs> it's when he, when he tries to get her out of the basement. Yeah, the mo- the mother. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And he 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 sets her free. Tries to get her out of the basement. She freaks because she sees her husband. So he's like, okay, well. And it's just like people never listen. They don't. They really don't. If you just would have listened to him, he tried to help you out, and people don't listen. It's true. It's true. I take that. Yeah, I take it. It, it hits very close to home. I take it personal. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, that's, my epic, that's my epic line. I told you to stay with me. Why wouldn't you listen? Now look at you. Now you're dead. <laughs> John, what's yours? Um, my, my favorite line is delivered by Arkin. And it's when Jill in the beginning comes up and she wants to bomb a smoke. And uh, he just kind of looks at her and says, I'm not adding to your delinquency. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Which is one of the reasons that I like Arkin is because he's a snarky, smart-ass, wisecracking guy, and that's pretty much me. <laughs> I'm a snarky, mm-hmm. wisecracking, wise-ass. Um, <laughs> but a close, close runner-up because this is a pet peeve of mine is um, when 
he's downstairs and he's talking to the husband and the husband's telling him that he has a gun and he goes up for the gun he finds a gun and there's no bullets in the gun he's like yeah. you've, got a gun. you've got a fucking gun you don't have fucking bullets for the gun what the fucking bullets for it every time I see that in the movie it, it annoys me because mm-hmm. people have their gun if you're gonna have the gun put the bullets in the gun because otherwise it's a very expensive paperweight <laughs> well I, I I agree with that but here's the thing <laughs> For people that have children in the home, like I do, and I own a gun, there's no bullets in it. Now, I understand that if somebody breaks in or something happens, it's probably not the best idea. But if you have children in the home, that's what norm- That's what most people will do. So well, I understand it. For me, we had several guns growing up, and I grew up shooting and stuff. And my dad put a huge fear in me about guns this is not a toy you do not play with this Mm -hmm. I didn't even like being around it that's how much he scared me about about the weapons this is a weapon this is not a toy and Mm -hmm. I don't know if they were loaded I'm assuming they were not they could be I don't know but he always said you always treat a gun as if it's loaded always even if it's not you always treat a gun as if it's loaded Mm -hmm. and so that's how I was raised as a small small child and because of that i'm scared of guns and so i think he did well because i would never wanted to play with it ever yeah um so john and tori do Mm -hmm. you have anything else you want to add about this movie before we give it the overall movie rating okay yes i have something to add in usual tori fashion i have to bring up the nudity (laughs) i have to bring up the boobies (laughs) okay i understand the whole entire scene i get it they're teenagers they think their parents aren't home whatever then she has to whip out the boobs the the intruder is distracted because he's watching this yes which gives arkin a chance to do whatever he needs to do i think that the scene lasted a little too long i think it could have been shortened um because because the killer is going to be distracted by them making out and doing whatever they're doing they didn't have to whip out her boobs and keep them out for so long and well that was the whole, like that's the only way they're going to keep the killer's attention well that was the whole point so that the collector can sit there and, and lick his lips while arkin is i agree running around the corner i agree and that's what i'm saying i agree but i think it could have been shortened because he was watching before the boobies came out <laughs> so that's just me that's just Corey that's just how Corey uh, you, has to do you, it you, you, you're, uh, you're right oh dear I will never complain about there being too much boob time and well of course no guy will unless it's like Ron Jeremy boob and then that's dead. well that's <laughs> why I have to fight the good fight I'm here to fight the good fight for everybody <laughs> alright um, I did I did want to your, yeah? your little rant made me do made me think about something about the collector that I I did want to want to talk about is that um you know we're talking before about his mask and one of the things that I think is interesting about this movie is that you know one of my one of my favorite horror films is Halloween and Michael Myers has the the white blank mask and mm-hmm. you can't see his eyes and the collector's mask is the black sort of twisted bondage mask with mm-hmm. the glowing eyes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. 
one of the things that 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 made me think when I watched this movie is because I've spent a lot of time in the woods and hunting and out at night is that those glowing eyes it reminds me of seeing the eyes out at night shining a light around and whatever seeing like different animals yeah and stuff around yeah. out at night and I that kind of stuck out to me it's like he's a wild animal that's creeping around through the house well and that's a good point that you bring up because i think summer did me and you talk about how his mask was kind of bondage related did me and you discuss that i think so um it reminded me a lot of the mask and suit that daddy wore in people under the stairs okay well because see that brings up a good point because john said it was like a bondage mask yeah Obviously, this guy is into some messed up shit, okay? <laughs> yeah. Because of the booby traps he is setting. So, yeah, I can totally see it being referred to as a bondage mask because I'm sure he's into that stuff. Yes. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so, so okay. I've got some, um, some notes. Um, okay. One, I thought that distracting the killer with the alarm clock was genius. Um, yes two i loved it when the mother was naming the wrinkles in her face after her teenage daughter yes <laughs> three i loved the razor phone <laughs> oh my gosh yes and four <laughs> um i think this was a loose very 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 loose remake on 1965's The Collector yeah you told me not to watch it so I didn't it's watch not it. great um, it's different it's not really horror what it's it's two hours long and it's incredibly slow and pretty boring for me but basically it's an it's an English movie and the guy uh, played by Terrence Stamp kidnaps a uh, classmate of his and holds her hostage in his country home, which he had just purchased basically for this purpose mm-hmm. um, until she basically dies from dehydration and starvation. And he didn't do anything to her. He didn't kill her, kill her. She just, uh, she was there long enough where she died of natural causes. And the, uh, it has the same title, the collector, and the only reason I think this was a super loose remake on it is because the man who kidnaps the girl in this movie is an entomologist, you know, a bug guy. Mm-hmm. And okay. in this movie, he's a bug guy. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think that this, that was what inspired this. But again, story, nothing alike. It's not horror. It's kind of boring for me. Um I watched it and I was just like, don't bother. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure this was a remake. It's a good movie to watch if it's late at night and you can't fucking sleep because it will help. John, you've seen it? Uh, Well, I haven't seen it all the way through. (laughs) Could you fell asleep? (laughs) Precisely. Um, and I have a couple of fun facts on this is this one was shot in 19 days and the writers intended on the collector to be a saw prequel. Did you guys know that? 
No, I didn't. That's crazy. Oh, definitely, right? Yeah. And John knew that, right? I think. Yeah, I had uh, when I was uh, looking into this movie, I had read that on Wikipedia. I think that it was originally uh, titled as The Midnight Man. Yes. And it was written and directed by the people who were in charge of either they wrote it or they directed it. Um, the Saw franchise after part three. So from part four to part seven, those people did the, the collector and the collection. Okay. Makes sense. And they also got their start on the um, movie Feast. Yeah. I haven't seen that. I haven't either. Um, it's actually on my list of things that I want to see. It's fun. Got. It's a fun one, John. I think you'll like it. It's it's um, it's almost like if Marvel had a horror movie. <laughs> hmm. Well, anything that's got uh, Clue uh, Clue Gulliger in it, I'm 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 down for. You. Yeah, he's he's great. Yeah, so you you should definitely check that out, both of you, because it's a lot of fun. Uh, Henry loves okay. Feast. He really does. Did you know what year was that? Oh God, I think it was like two thousand nine or so. Okay, it was around the same time as this. Okay, I'll check it out. Um, John said that he had some a few fun facts for us. What you what you want to okay. talk about? Well, um, first of all, that, that um, aside from the ending of the 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 movie, which we hadn't said anything about, which I think is actually fucking awesome, the way that this movie ends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that part of the movie was filmed in, like, Los Angeles in a park. But the rest of this movie was filmed in Shreveport, Louisiana. Sure was. Which is right on the other side of the river in Bossier City is where I was born. Oh, really? And I only live about a little less than an hour south of Shreveport. That's so cool. And... Mm -hmm. uh, the bar where uh, Arkin goes to, which is kind of like the a makeshift strip club, is actually a, a, a rather notorious biker bar that's closed down now. But it, back in the day, that was a pretty rough, <laughs> rough place to go to. <laughs> um, one of the stunt, the stunt woman that was in this movie, Zoe Bell, mm -hmm. she was she did all of the female stunts. For all of the female actors. Wow. And Zoe Bell was um, the uh, stunt double for Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. She was also the one in Death Proof that was on the hood of the calf. Okay. She was the, uh, the New Zealand stunt woman. She actually was playing herself in that movie. And this movie had several different people that was a double for the collector. And one of them was Tom Gulliger who was the son of Clue Gulliger. Shut up. Really? Yes. Do you know who Clue is, um, Tori? No, I don't. Clue Gulliger is uh, Bert from uh, Return of the Living Dead, and he's also Jesse's father in Nightmare 2. Jesse, go up and clean your room. I want to clean up. Okay, yes. I, mm -hmm. um, yes, I knew that name sounded familiar. Yes, um, and he's an old-time like Western star too. He's he was yes, very handsome. He is actually going to be at a con, an upcoming con that I'm going to. Oh, 
my god. And I was like, I have to get my on Elm Street Stop 2 post sign. I oh no. All 2020 is con year for me. I'm going. I'm so jealous. Oh, yes, he's I'm going. a legend. Oh, I'm go- yeah, and and he's the main reason I'm going because I'm not my Elm Street 2. Mm-hmm. I have to get that poster signed. Yeah, he's a legend. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, he he was big in the westerns back in the day, and he was he was so dashing and handsome, and um, he's just he's so amazing. Um, very cool. Um, anything else, uh, fun fact wise, John? Um, I I don't exactly remember where it is, but the the house, the, it, it, all of the interiors for the house was actually shot in Shreveport. In, in the town but the exteriors is a um and i never and i never could find which actual house it is which is why i think that it was somebody important and they don't want their house known but it's somebody that lives in manny louisiana which is halfway in between shreveport and my house somewhere out there somebody that's that's rich and important wanted their house in the movie so that's actually a real, I don't know what they call it, antebellum plantation mm-hmm. kind of house. Yeah. Very All cool. In, in Louisiana. Which I, I'm, I always find it cool whenever I see movies. I'm, I know that. Oh, movie. yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I love that about living in Chicago. I'm always walking through a place that something I've seen was filmed. Um. Overall movie rating, guys, how many dolls are you going to give the collector? Um, I'm going to be kind of stingy and give it eight. Eight? Mm-hmm. John, how many dolls? Um, I, I'm actually going to give it, I was going to give it the same thing, actually. That's fine. That's totally fine. I, mm-hmm. I, this is not like my, my favorite horror film but i think that this is this is one that i i really do enjoy and i kind of wish that the collector as a character was a little more popular than what he is because i think he definitely deserves to be yeah i would give it eight dolls eight i'm gonna give it a eight as well I was teetering okay. between eight, eight and seven, but I'm going to go ahead and give it an eight. Okay, awesome. So, moving on, let's do the collection, 2012. Um, in the end of the collector, spoiler alert, guys, Arkin thinks he's getting away, but then yes. he is abduct- abducted by the collector. And they just show him being kidnapped and taken into a box. And that's how the movie ends. Oh, so mad. Oh, so mad. <laughs> in the collection, it opens up to Arkin in the box. And mm-hmm. the premise of the collection is Arkin escapes the collector and then is forced to help rescue another victim from the killer's mm-hmm. lair. This one mm-hmm. stars Emma Fitzpatrick, Christopher McDonald, Randall Archer, and Lee Turgeson. Um, it was made by the same people, same writer, same director, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about our favorite kill. My favorite kill is the party scene. The... 
the yep, that's the one I chose. The mass freaking kill, and I knew mm-hmm. I knew you would just because we had this whole we had like a wire discussion. <laughs> yes, well, because ghost ship, I yes. love ghost ship. Yes. Uh, so yeah. So I love that kill so much, John. What about you? You know, speaking about the beginning, that that kill, the the one thing that that went through my mind whenever I saw that was I thought about dead alive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> with the, the lawnmower going through mm-hmm. yeah that's what made me think of that my my favorite kill is when uh, they're actually in the collector's lair and he is standing above them and he lowers the hook down and gets the one guy under his jaw and pulls him up Ugh. yes um, mm-hmm. I have <laughs> there, there's a reason for that because I I when I was younger, I used to go fishing a lot, and a buddy of mine got a hook stuck in his ear once. Yeah. And, um, you know, those fishing hooks, we told him to stop fucking around with it because what he <laughs> did is he actually ended up pushing it in too far and it went past that barb because um, on, a, on a fishing hook, they have a little barb where it'll, it'll go in, but it keeps it from being pulled back out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. We we uh, actually ended up having to wait till the end of the day till we could get back to the truck because we had to get a pair of snips to cut it to actually pull it out. But um, yeah, hooks. I've never hooked myself in the ear like that, but I've hooked myself with hooks before. And when I that scene got to me, I was like, ah, yeah. (laughs) Um, how about some fashion? Young, hot, and an attitude that says, who cares? It's only fashion. That Hansel's so hot right now. I chose the gun that was used to shoot the homeless man. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fashion choice. (laughs) Do you have a fashion pick or no? Uh, Yes. Uh, The one character... uh, uh, I think her name was Paz. She was uh-huh. the, um, she was the one the one girl of the group. Whenever they were all sitting around uh, yes. talking, she had on this kind of a black shirt with like a rosary. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's my fashion pick. That okay, shirt. that's solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for me. I think the character's name is Abby. So when Elena is wandering through the house trying to figure out how to get out, she comes across a girl that's dressed up as like a baby doll. Mm-hmm. And I love the whole, hello, dolls of horror, doll, yes. <laughs> outfit, get up, makeup, everything. She just mm-hmm. looks super surreal in her little surroundings there. Mm-hmm. And so her whole outfit, everything, the makeup, the dress, everything is my fashion moment. Okay. I hate her though. Hate me some bitches. Oh yeah, she's such a bitch. But I hate her. She looked great though. <laughs> she's got Stockholm syndrome. Yes. <laughs> yeah, something. <laughs> um, acting quality. What do we think of this one? I thought it was good. Not as good as the first one, but still good. Yeah, I agree. Because this one had this one had so many more characters. It it did. It really did. And. <sighs> I mean, 
it was just different. It was just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't bad, but different. Right. Yeah, that's a good word. Uh, just different. The the best way that I can describe these two movies is that the collector was the Terminator. Uh huh. And the collection was T two. <laughs> I can see that. It was much bigger. It was bombastic. It was filmed mm-hmm. much much better. Uh, I mean, the first film, I think that I remember reading, they filmed some of that with like a 16 millimeter camera just to give it a grainy, gritty look. Um, this the second film was much. It just looked like they had more money, they had a bigger budget, and mm-hmm. it was shot professionally. <laughs> it just mm-hmm. it had a different aesthetic look, and the the acting was went much more with sort of a much more of an action film. Yeah, than a horror film. Yeah, if that makes any sort of sense because there is kind of a different kind of acting that goes on in between the two. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about the special effects on this one specifically. I mean, this is something that John mentioned about the first one, but I knew I was going to bring it up in this one. The collector's eyes. Mm-hmm. are reflective just like he mentioned about animals in the night and they actually put reflective contacts on the actor who played the collectors that's, so cool. that's very cool yeah to to achieve that effect and i mean it was really rough on their eyes i read in an interview that it was incredibly rough on their eyes and they had to like take breaks and stuff but yeah so they yeah. had them wearing reflective contacts okay and, of course, our kills were pretty awesome as well, just like in the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> That's what I put. One of the things that I did like about the kills in this movie is that in the first movie, most most everything that was a kill was something that you did because you you screwed up and picked up the wrong thing or went into the wrong corner or did something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the collector was much more hands-on in this movie. Yeah, you, know? you were you were in his house this time. Yes, he he went much more John Wick in this, in this movie <laughs> than than in the first movie, which I did kind of like, and that I think that that's kind of part of the rule of the sequel was you know, carnage, candy, and so you have to sort of up the game up a little bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, the music in this one I thought was good there weren't really there wasn't a theme song that I can remember like there was in the first one that they played over and over again except for the um, the club music of course and then the composer for this one was Charlie Clauser and I thought the music just like in the first one complemented the action he was also the composer for the first Saw movie. Okay. So we got that Saw connection once again in this one. Um, do you guys have anything to add about music? No, I don't. No. I, I, the, the thing about uh, this movie and the first one is that the, the music is, is, is not really... It's not really noticeable. Right. And it's not it's it's not as big of a part of the movie that 
as some soundtracks are. Sometimes, like, if you take the music out of Halloween, it's not the same movie. It's true. But this this movie, it, it does have music. It does have things that add to the atmosphere, but it's it's much more sort of peppered in. So yes. It's, it's not really as noticeable, which I guess in its own way it does work. But, um, I mean, other than to say that what little bit is there it works, there's, there's not really a whole lot you can say about it because there's not a whole lot there. Yeah, I agree. And kind of like with the CGI effects, it's, the music is just added for atmosphere and to help it along. It's not rely. The movie isn't reliant on the music. Yes. If that makes sense. Okay. Um, honestly, guys, I don't have a whole lot to say about this movie. Um, for me, I thought the pacing was good. Yep. I liked. I love it when they bring a character back. So I love that Arkin was back. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. I like the how they explained how he was collecting. Mm-hmm. And you realized a little bit more why he was there and what he was doing. Um, yeah. And um, for the story and the scary rating, like, I like the story because they did explain a little bit more of what he did and what he was about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And why he did it with his whole entomologist background and stuff. Mm-hmm. And his family and his father and stuff. Um, but for me, uh, it just wasn't that, I found the first one more scary. Yes. So the first one was more scary. This, yeah. This, yes. this movie was much more of a sort of an action film. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. um I mean, it could have very easily just been just a bald dude with no mask on doing the same thing and it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have changed anything. Right. I think what does make this movie enjoyable and an okay sequel is that it it does tie into the first movie. You understand mm-hmm. why the whole why mm-hmm. they were always focusing on the spider that was climbing around. Mm-hmm. You understand why the collector went over and got the spider and let it out. You understand? Mm-hmm. And I, I loved what not. Not everything. They leave yeah. a lot of it ambiguous, which I do like. I really loved when one of the victims was stumbling towards the SWAT team, and you know, right before he like explodes or something, uh-huh. and he's just crying, and he's like, "I didn't make it," and they're like, "What didn't you make?" And he said, "The collection." Uh-huh. And then you—that's when you realize that imperfect people don't make the collection. So he doesn't take just anybody. I didn't make it. I didn't make it. What didn't you make? The collection. I need the Leo! Get back! Yeah, he definitely picks and chooses. Yes. Um, let's talk epic line. I don't think I had one. Okay. I don't have one wrote down. Okay, John, do you have one? Because I got I got a couple. If you don't, <laughs> I, I have a line, and I, I I have said something very similar. Um, it's whenever they're gonna go into the collector's lair, <laughs> they're talking to Arkin, and they're trying to get him. And he's like, "I told you I'd bring you here, but I'm not fucking going in." Yeah, 
the one big tall, and it's it's always usually the big tall muscled jackass who opens his mouth and he tells Arkin when he goes in, ladies first, and Arkin says, <clears throat> tells him to suck a bag of dicks or something. <laughs> he tells him to suck a dick. <laughs> I, I love that line. <laughs> you know, it's somebody smarts off and I'm like, suck a dick, Jack. Get out of my face. Just, yeah, I, that's my epic line. Suck a dick. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, um, I liked, I, this isn't my epic line because it's just not epic enough for me, but I really loved when they're taking Arkin back to the house and he's trying to explain to them how this is going to work and they're not listening. And he says, you're not going to go in there and walk in there like it's Sunday dinner because this is his house and he will cut your balls off and feed them to you. Uh (laughs) He's Uh trying to tell them what this is going to be and they're not listening and he's been through it. He knows. (laughs) Um, my, my epic line is said by one of the SWAT team, and it's, you're at the bad end of good luck. That's a bad end of Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know how that is. <laughs> yeah, so that's my epic line. You're at the bad end of good luck. Well, like you said, I don't have too much to say about this one. I don't. Um, I really don't. We already did the favorite. Did we do the favorite kill? Yes, we did the favorite kill. Yes. We did the fashion pick. The kill creativity. I like the kill creativity. It wasn't as creative as the first one. Right. Um, special effects were good. Um, the real only real twist in this one is that Abby is helping them like she pretends to be. Right. She's not because a victim first... as much as she says she is. Yeah. I yes. didn't trust her the moment she. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Ne- neither mm-hmm. did Elena. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. she was smart. Yeah, Elena knew mm-hmm. better. Um, there's there's one question that I have. If okay. you have a hearing aid and you fall and your hearing aid falls out into the middle of a bear trap, are you going to reach into it like she did and get it out, or are you going to pick out any of the myriad of paper trash that is around <laughs> and sweep? the fucking ear rate, ear, hearing aid out of the middle of the bear trap instead of sticking your hand in there and trying to grab it without setting the trap off. That's a good point. That's me. Yeah. I, just, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I'm calling bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <clears throat> I like that. <laughs> um, I had written down some notes. Um, did anyone else have anything to add before I give my notes? Um, I love the tanks at the end and how she puts out the fire by breaking all the tanks. Yes, that was great. I like that. Yeah, I liked it. I kind of wish that they had given Elena a little bit more of an arc. I understand that there were new characters and she was sort of the MacGuffin of the story because the story is really about Arkin and Arkin's arc. (laughs) Right. For sure. Uh, But I, I I they portrayed Elena as really smart and sort of the kind of a badass in the making, but they didn't really give her anything. They didn't give her anything to do. And I felt that I was kind of. Yeah. Because she was adorable and I would have, I felt bad for her. Yeah. <laughs> didn't really give her a whole mm-hmm. lot to do. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as 
as soon as you know they're out and they're free, she's gone. You don't see anything else. You don't know anything about it. That's just it. Anything else from either of you? No, not for me. I'm good. Okay. So these are just random notes and thoughts that I had while I was watching it. And I wrote these down. I'm rereading them now. I wrote these down before I realized that this was made by the same people that made Saw. Uh Okay. So (laughs) um, one, I liked how it opens, how part one opened with basically zooming in on a mystery box. What's in the box, right? Mm So that's a nice callback to part one. Um, two, I wrote, guys, I wrote, I made these notes month, like two months ago, and I'm just now rereading them. Um, I wrote, the collector is like a ninja. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. A ninja collector, okay. But I wrote it down so it's worthy of saying because it's hilarious. Well, you know, a lot of the shots, he's kind of in the shadows. And yeah. You don't really see him until somebody goes by and he kind of pops out a little bit. Yeah. He's sly and small. It goes back to the whole Michael Myers kind of thing, you know. I think, which is interesting because I think Michael Myers has always been sort of kind of viewed as like a a force of nature or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the collector is kind of more like an animal. So it's kind of the difference between a spirit and an animal. Yeah. Um, Any sense. The next thing I wrote kind of ties into that. And I wrote, the collector is about stalking, while the collection is about attacking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and then I wrote, it really feels like, like Saw when Arkin re-breaks his arm to get out of the trap. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Which is another total BS moment. <laughs> yeah. And when um, you find, like... Uh, in Saw, like it's like almost like when you find out when Amanda's working with Jigsaw, like when you find out that Abby's working with the collector. Um, I wrote also, <laughs> okay, how the hell is Arkin kicking so much ass with that broken arm and even pushes a bookcase over? <laughs> uh, Hollywood horseshit. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote, do you think the collector survived or Arkin won um, at the end? Because they kind of leave it a little open. Collector could have got out and kicked his ass. You never know. Um, I like the sets and the designs of the sets. And I loved how I loved the collection of bodies in the tanks of water and how they're put together, mm-hmm. sewn together like insects. Again, yeah. going back to his insect roots. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few fun facts not many though um, this one was filmed in Atlanta and all Georgia and also Shreveport Louisiana okay. Okay. just like the other one um, the collector's hotel you know where he had all his stuff Yeah, it was, it was filmed at a boarding school that's cool um, some of the sets for The Walking Dead were used in this as well awesome the opening scene took 55 gallons of fake blood. Damn. Yes. And this one was written by Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan, who direct- and he directed it. And this is where I wrote that um, they wrote Saw 4 through 7. And um, when they are in that cage, 
the actor who plays Arkin, Josh Stewart, actually dislocated his his um, shoulder in the scene right before he breaks Oof. his arm. So yeah. that pain you see in his face is real pain. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he had just he had just did it, and they just said, you know, this is finished this, and mm-hmm. he was he was he had dislocated shoulder in that moment. So mm-hmm. overall movie rating, guys. Oof, for this one, I'm going to have to say five or six. I was going to give it a six myself. Okay. John? I was going to give it a six and a half. Okay. Um, Dang. Well, one of the reasons uh, this movie could have been much better, one, one of the things that I really, really like about this movie is that it connects to the first movie so well and it answers some of the little things or at least it makes you say okay that makes sense why he did such and such in in the first movie the way that it kind of connects you learn a little bit more about the collector I like that aspect part of it I didn't really like that they turned something that was a really cool fun very much kind of a throwback to the 80s and late 70s horror slasher movie and turned it into, you know, John Wick 3, but mm-hmm. it it's it's not a bad sequel. I've seen worse. Oh, I've definitely seen worse. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Um, Tori, you gotta pick one. Is it five or six? <laughs> I'm gonna go with six. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna go with six. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, okay so our guest of honor do you have anything that you want to plug or do you have anybody that you want to shout out or mention or anything at all you would like to say to our listeners Uh, well anyone that is uh, living in 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 Texas or going to visit Texans or um there's going to be anywhere around the Austin, Texas area. Uh, I wanted to shout out the gas station in Bastrop, Texas, which is the location where they filmed. It is the original gas station that was in um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. A few years ago, uh, some people bought it, and they've turned it into a, a barbecue shack slash kind of little museum. And... Uh, mm-hmm. It's got some really good, really good food, really good barbecue. And it's, uh, I've always wanted to visit there just because of, you know, I love film locations. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's actually really cool. Um, I've I go by there as often as I can because of my job. I travel around Texas quite a bit. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually gonna pass by it tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Take pictures. Send us some pictures. Uh, and uh, well, if if I got time enough to actually stop, stop, gotcha. I'm gonna. But I'll I'll send you guys some pictures. Um, but one of the things that's really cool about this place is they have a few cabins that are there that you can actually rent and stay in the cabins out behind. They have they have uh, special things where they have like uh, different horror celebrities that are people that will come there and they'll do like a little little signing at the location neat uh, oh yeah and i've been told that out in the very back because they have kind of like a little pavilion 
and they'll they'll put up like a, a big screen and they'll they'll show like movies out in the back so you can watch a movie out at night you know I'm actually watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at night in the Texas field right around where they actually filmed it it's that's awesome wild. Um, that is so cool and um this past weekend was the cult classic convention and um that they actually the people that own the gas station they actually put this con on and um it was just this past weekend and um they said they had such a good turnout that they're they're going to do it again next year and it's in Bastrop, Texas. And I'm thinking about going to that next year. Because this year, oh, so pissed. Um, if I hadn't already bought all my stuff at TFW, I would have I gone. Because they had Brink Stevens. They had Linnea Quigley. They had uh, Dave. Is his name Dave Valella? He was Russ, Ma- uh, Russ from... Um, the slumber party massacre they had him there oh wow uh, and um and a bunch of other cool stuff and so i'd like to shout out to the cult classic convention that's well. neat and, uh, yeah. we'll have to look at that one next year tori yes for sure and um, um you might have a, a kind of a cool fan that might have some information for you guys <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> and obviously that cool fan might have gotten you two of the last three of their brand new posters that they actually have. Uh, they got the last three of their new posters. Uh, yes. So you will have two of those. Hell yeah. John. John Morgan's the man. Yep. <laughs> and um, shout out to all of the, the people that uh, a volunteer at Texas Fright Americas, you know, they they have to deal with, you know a yeah. bunch of crazy. A bunch of crazy horror fans. <clears throat> and a special shout out to and I don't know who she is, and I only ever saw her once, but to the lovely Latina doll who came up and distracted the dude in Robert England's line last year and let me slip through the last guy <sighs> Saturday. I don't know who you are, uh, but I owe you a beer. Uh, That's awesome. That's so cool. She is. because she, she, she pulled a Tory. She ghosted me because I looked for her and she disappeared. I don't know who she was. But... Oh, that's so cool. Hopefully she'll be there this year and you can buy her a beer. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if I should even say this because I don't know if the little creeper's listening. Um, <laughs> I know who you're talking about. But there is someone that uh, I have met on Tori's Facebook page. If anybody has been on Tori's page, they know the epic, the epic freak show that it is. Um, <laughs> there is a uh, there is a uh, character that has. Um, weaseled his way into my life and uh he's uh shout out to you gary uh i had a fuck out of my theater gary <laughs> there uh, are i <laughs> i can't I... go to the movies now without fitting on the back fucking row with my <laughs> back against the wall because well, i can have one eye on one side and one side on the other so that he can't sneak up behind me <laughs> 
I have to say, I have seen many, many friendships form on my page. <laughs> and it brings my heart so much joy that you and Gary have found each other, John. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm thinking that Gary's heart is going to end up being broken. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I actually think that Gary just, he just doesn't know any other way than to be what he is. <laughs> Very cool. Shout out to two of the coolest podcasters that, <laughs> that I know, Summer and Tori. Aww. And let me just say, Tori, don't take offense. Uh -huh. Let me say, Summer, you are hot too. So don't let anybody <laughs> tell you indifferent. <laughs> Okay. Thank you, so, John. Suck well, on that, Andrew. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and shout out to you, Jesse. You I mean you you really do make this show sound really, really good. Mm -hmm. I mean the, the girls are always entertaining. They bring their magic to everything anyway. But yes, you really do make the show sound good because I listen to a lot of stuff that are supposed to be professional and I'm like I think I need to send you to some to my boy. I know he'll hook he, mm -hmm. you up a little better. Uh, <laughs> yep. Jesse, are you there? Well, I'm quite flattered, okay. so thank you very much. <laughs> There's Alexa. <laughs> yes. Yes. We love Jesse. We could not do what we do without him. He makes us sound great. I love with him. I love talking to him about ideas and discussing things. Um, it he's made the show just really, really amazing, and he's mm -hmm. he's brought some really great ideas to the table as well. And I cannot thank you enough, Jesse, for being a part of our team. Oh, absolutely! I'm flattered um, that I'm a part of it as well, and you know, it's it's great to do it. It it kind kind of lets me, you know, flex my creative muscle whenever I get a chance to it's it's nice to you know have a, a a venue when I can just like I mean you guys make it easy to be fair you make it very easy with your content to be like oh yeah this is this is easily going into an intro or like you easily <laughs> said something that I'm going to use like it's it's not that difficult because you guys make it easy to do so yeah like I couldn't I couldn't do this nearly as well were enough for you guys. So, but but thank you all the same. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Um, we got our podcast shout outs, of course. Mm -hmm. The Outsiders of Horror podcast with mm -hmm. Brian, Brian, Andrew, and Christy. And of mm -hmm. course, Christy's a wonderful store, Nightmare Toys, mm -hmm. who is fantastic. And they just moved to Vegas and as of right now they're getting ready to get things set up and opened and mm -hmm. uh, I'm so excited yes. um, and of course Wes and Kevin from the It's a Horror podcast mm -hmm. um, our podcast mentors is what I call them because they helped us set this up and taught us how to do it and I love listening to them and talking to them and they're just really a great group of guys um, and you, um, Tori, had a shout out for an 
someone at Days of the Dead, an Etsy shop. Uh, Brandon, was it? Yes, Brandon. What's his Etsy? Uh, um... Yeah, his his Etsy is called Fright Shop, and that's F-R-I-G-H-T Shop. Uh-huh. Um, he's amazing. Uh, he's very talented. Uh, does great stuff. I had him working on something for me. I was told that it shipped out this morning. So I'm very excited to get it. And then I'm going to have him work on something else for me. Uh, so I'm, I, yeah, I'm very excited about it. He's very talented. He's a very nice guy. Um, not only does he have his Etsy shop, but he's a very good cosplayer. He did Jeepers Creepers and it, and it was amazing. Yeah, he was and a he creepy like, freaking Pennywise, man. Oh, yeah, he was, yeah. And he let me try on his Jeepers Creepers gear, which I took pictures of. So I was like, can I try on your coat and hat? And he's like, yeah. And I did. And I was so excited because like, oh, he's, I get to try it on. <laughs> so he does very good cosplay. Um, what else? Uh, Jason Shepard, as always, he has a podcast called The Lost Art Of. Um, he's also a very great, untalented artist. Um, let's see. Uh, Chris Blair from Days of the Dead, great guy, uh, took really great care of me at Days of the Dead. I hope to see him again at more Days of the Dead. Uh, I don't know. That's probably about it. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, for this one. Yeah, you already took care of the Outsiders of Horror, so um, I think that's it. I want to shout out to the new convention that I'm going to for the first time. Yeah, which one? Uh, the Lexington comic-con okay. i've never been to one it's a lexington comic-con and toy convention which i've it's brand new to me never been to a comic-con or toy convention um i'm very excited they just released the different variety of t-shirts that they will have available today um so i'm really excited to go to that and experience it i'll be cosplaying rainbow bright um i get to get in touch with my inner 80s child <laughs> and all of my love for all my things because because we love horror i love i love everything but i also am an 80s child and i love my little pony and rainbow bright <laughs> so i will be in heaven i'm sure at this thing so yeah i'll let you guys know how it goes but i'd say check it out because it seems like it's going to be really amazing i'm so excited to hear about it when mm-hmm. when you come back we can talk about it um mm-hmm. on our episode oh, i'll be <laughs> this one guys this convention is for days long i am staying all four days <laughs> i will be dead but i might get back <laughs> so yeah it'll be an experience it'll be it'll be uh it'll be interesting <laughs> so, so. but i think i think you guys should check it out <laughs> so excited for you mm-hmm. that's gonna be great <laughs> yes. it's gonna be so great Okay, um, I don't have anything else to add. Do either of you? No, I'm good. You're good, John. You good? I uh, no, but that's all right. <laughs> what do you want to say? <laughs> no, 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 you guys probably good. I'm like no. okay. Well, on yeah. behalf of Jesse and Tori, I think I can speak for all of us when we say that we are so thrilled that. John was able to be here tonight with us to discuss these movies as mm-hmm. our very first guest because mm-hmm. he is our, our most important supporter so far and keep doing this without the love and encouragement that 
he gives our show and us. So, John, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, okay, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, so let's sign off now. Um, I'm Summer. And I'm Tori. And you're John, right? <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> and uh, this has been the Dolls of Horror. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into this wonderful episode. We had so much fun doing this one, mm-hmm. especially. And we will talk to you later. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> this has been a presentation of the Dolls of Horror. New episodes are uploaded every week. If you'd like to reach out and say hello to the dolls, send them an email at thedollsofhorror at yahoo.com. You can also follow them on Facebook and Instagram, both at the Dolls of Horror or on Twitter at Dolls of Horror for bonus content. And if you really like the podcast and want to support them financially so that they can keep making episodes, consider sending them a donation. Follow the link in the description or go to patreon.com slash thedollsofhorror for more information. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Where are you going? It's a trap. He's trying to lure us away from Elena. You're just going to let past, huh? My objective is Elena. What the fuck your objective? Can't you hear that? Don't act like you don't give a fuck. Man, you got the bad end of good luck. I'm not going to walk in there like this is Sunday dinner because this is his house, and he will cut your balls off and feed them to you. The lovely Latina doll. I don't know who you are, but I owe you a beer. Hate me some bitches. Ah, yeah.